Well, good morning again. So, so we're starting this new series that'll go through the rest of October, Prophets of Doom. So, so the whole Prophets of Doom is we're going to take time to look at the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And, and anyone who's ever read the minor prophets, you know that their, their whole prophecy, their whole small books are nothing but doom and gloom. Everything is about doom. Everything's, you know, it's the worst that's going to happen. They're definitely not cheery, feel-good kind of messages. You know what I mean? When you read the Minor Prophets, you're kind of like, oh, man, there's a lot going on here. But, but I think even as we take this time and we go through the Minor Prophets, I, I do love the Old Testament. Um, I, I love spending time in it. I, I think we need to look and understand that their message was not only to Israel, but to the other nations. It's effective for us today. Um, as they talked about abandoning idolatry, they talked about embracing God's heart of mercy, um, rejoice in the coming and the filling of the Holy Spirit, and even the anticipation of the coming judgment and the coming kingdom of God. So I think it's something that we can all relate to, even in today's times, um, even you look at, you know, like Andrew, we prayed this morning. Look what happened in Israel yesterday. You know, when, when Hamas decided to attack Israel and, and trying to tell all the Muslim countries that, no, you're not going to make peace with our enemies. Well, unfortunately, even though we see this happen in Israel, we see it happen throughout God's word. You know, you see this happen inside the church. And you may be thinking, no way, Pastor. Well, yeah. You know, because there's times we don't get along, and there's times we kind of say, man, God, I just wish you would smite them. Yeah, that's a good Old Testament word there, right? I hope you just smite them. You know, you, we, we get this feeling inside of us, and, and we're just like, you know, God, I, I know you got love, I know you got grace, I know you got this mercy, but man, they just really ticked me off. And Lord, I just wish you would do something about them and just handle that situation for me. Well, that's kind of what we're going to see today. So today, if you do have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. So to give you time to flip through your Bible to find it, unless, you, of course, you're pulling it up on an app and you're going to read it real quick. Um, but we're going to actually be in the book of Jonah this week. Next week, we're going to read from the uh, prophet Joel. The following week from Micah, not Micah in the sound booth either, but the prof, minor prophet Micah. And, and, and then we're going to finish it off with the minor prophet Obadiah. So we're going to take this time and really dig in. But, but like I was saying, you know, a lot of times I think we all get a little bit of Jonah inside of us. We, we all kind of deal with different things in our life and you know, we, we want God to do things our way. You know, uh, well, God, I, I've been doing what you called me to do, so can you, like, do this? And, and I think we got caught up in that, and, and we forget that God's ways are not our ways, and, and God's ways are more mysterious. They're above us. And even Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration, for as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts uh, more than your thoughts. And as much as we know that, 
even as Christ followers, say, God, I know your ways are bigger than mine, but man, can't my way happen for once? Can't it be my will instead of your will, God? It would make me feel so much better. And, and you know, some of y'all sitting there saying, no, pastor, you're wrong. I want God's will in my life all the time. Don't be lying in church. Because we all know there's that time we want our own will. We want our own way to um, do what we want. But I think the sooner we realize and actually, hey, God's ways are better than ours, even if we think what we're going to do is better, God's ways are always better. He sees what we don't see. And, you know, I think, yeah, just like I was saying with, with Jonah, Jonah wasn't interested in God's mercy for others only in justice for the wickedness. And, and we do that same thing. Man, God, I, I know you got this mercy. But man, this person, they just did me wrong. They didn't do what, you know, they didn't do what I wanted to do. They're not living the life that I think they should live. Just smite them, God. Just, just bring me that justice that I need because they're not making me happy. They didn't even pick the right color carpet for the church. God, you need to smite them. But see, there's a reality. Like I said, this is in church too. But the reality is, we forget about God's mercy and grace. Hey, we want it, right? Every one of us wants God's mercy, grace, and forgiveness, right? Every one of us, and every one of us needs it, right? But God, thank you for giving it to me, but don't give it to him. Don't give it to them. And to be quite honest, if we're actually honest with each other, at times we would rather God exercise punishment than forgiveness. And because of this, our hearts are not in line with the will of God or with God's plan. We've got to be willing to do what God called us to do. So like I said, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. If you got a Bible, make sure you open it up. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. And the Bible in the back of the pew in front of, in front of you, page 1069, is Jonah. And we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 6, through all the way through chapter 4. But as always, as we started a couple weeks ago, we want to give reverence to our God, and we want to be obedient, and we want to worship our God. So with that being said, can I get everyone to please stand up for the reading and the hearing of God's word. So Jonah chapter 3, verse 6. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burned anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, 
Isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He says, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it is right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant with you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night, but may, I not, uh, but may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. Amen. Please be seated. So, so we see it's a whole lot of reading, a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, basically, we watched Jonah watch the Lord, watch God bring his will to the city of Nineveh. And, and he, God did what he wanted, did what he called to do. And Jonah wasn't real happy about it. Jonah wasn't happy with the will of God in, in all of this. And, and I've got to admit, at times in my life, I see myself just like Jonah. I see myself where, where God's will is doing something that maybe I don't agree with or maybe I don't think should happen. You know, like when someone bad, something good happens to them and something bad happens to someone who's doing good and you're kind of like, man, this just ain't right, God. And, and remember, God's still in control. And, and But I think we do the same thing. And... I think sometimes we just need to come to grips with the fact, like I said earlier, that God's ways are bigger than ours. God's plan and will for each of our lives is bigger than ours. And, and as we take time and break this down, there's some things that really stood out to me as I went through this passage, and hopefully they'll help each one of us. Now, one of the first things I see is, you know, we've been seeing it a lot lately. I mean, they just had a revival at Auburn University and all these people kids and people went and got baptized it's like it's amazing when you see revival happen well I think this story in the Bible is one of the biggest revivals we ever see and you may be thinking well I don't know pastor but think about this have you ever seen an entire city come to the Lord at one time probably not so I think we see a revival here it's this big revival um it, it, it didn't happen by itself. 
you know, God sent a human to start the revival. And here, you know, we got uh, Jonah was told, hey, go to Nineveh, tell them this, preach this to them. And so God used this man who we actually see in the story was being disobedient. If you know the story of Jonah, God gave him, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh, I want you to preach this. And Jonah was like, ain't happening. I'm heading heading the other direction. He he was being disobedient to God. He didn't want the will of God to happen. He was upset, and he he was against what God wanted to do, which is good news for us because if God can use someone who is disobedient and tried to run from him to start a revival in a city, guess what? He can use any one of us. He can use any one of us just like he used Jonah to start a revival. Uh, we, of course, there was a message. I think this is one of the shortest sermons ever preached. Jonah went into Nineveh and gave an eight-word sermon. Eight words. That's all it took. Eight words to Nineveh, and all of a sudden, they repented, they turned from their evil ways, and went to God. I don't know if I could give an eight-word sermon and have that happen. Wow. It's going to be a long day for you guys. Because <laughs> it's going to be way more than eight words. So he gives an eight-word message. And I think it's this good reminder that God's word never returns void. When, when, when God's word goes out, it, it's able to pierce the heart of people. And this is exactly what happened. Eight words that God gave Uh, Jonah to give, he gave them eight words, and they didn't return void. They they came back, and they actually started to pierce the hearts of these people. And and to me, that's a miracle. I mean, this is a really big miracle. Now, it's a miracle any time revival happens. This is a great miracle. 120,000 people in one town changed and accepted and said, I need to do what God calls us to do. Now, as big of a miracle as that is, I'm going to tell you another great miracle. When one person, just a single person, turns from their wicked ways and turns to the Word of God. And when they hear that message and it pierces their heart, just like it did the Ninevites, and they turn from their wicked ways and come to be a follower of Jesus, that's a miracle in itself, which means everyone in this room who's accepted Jesus Christ, you've been a part of a miracle. Because he loved you enough to give you that message and allow you to hear his word that it would pierce your hearts and you would change your own life. And of course, all that includes God's mercy. God God had mercy on on the people in Nineveh. And the worst thing is Jonah knew it. He knew it. God, I knew you were going to have mercy. That's why I didn't want to do it. And God's mercy flows into us. We God's mercies every day. And, and I mean, how many people in here like God's mercy? Amen, right? We, we want it every day, right? Just don't give it to this person, right? Don't give it to the person who cut you off in traffic. Don't give it to your evil boss. Don't, don't give it to anyone else. Just give it to me, right? Because uh, I'm the one who wants the mercy and 
And God, I know you got forgiveness on top of it, but don't give it to no one else. I just want it. And we end up being just like Jonah. We do just exactly what he did. And then we end up being like Jonah. Jonah was angry, man. Jonah got mad. You ever get mad? Think about it. You ever get mad at something that God did? Be honest. Yeah. God, I can't believe you let them win that $1.4 billion lotto and not me. Of course, I didn't play it, but come on now. You sit there and, you know, we get mad about stupid things. We, we get mad for nothing. And it really makes no sense. And we look at why Jonah got mad. He's actually got some valid reasons why he could be mad. I think the first one is because as a prophet, anything a prophet said had to come true. Otherwise, they would be considered a bad prophet. Well, back just prior to this in chapter 3, verse 4, Jonah actually said that the Ninevites would be overthrown. So now guess what? What he said didn't come true. So now to him, he's, oh, I'm going to be considered a false prophet. Uh, my word didn't come true. I didn't speak it. Of course, what he spoke was of his own, not of God. So what he spoke wasn't true. So he's kind of, you know, well, I, I spoke this. It should happen. Now I'm not going to be a good prophet or not considered a prophet. So that could kind of be a good reason. I think the next thing is, you know, his fellow Jews are going to be rather upset. Dude, you went to Nineveh. You preached eight words and they came to know our God. Don't you know they're our enemies? So, you know, the other Israelites had to be mad, like, what are you, a traitor? How dare you go and talk to our enemies and get them to start bound and need our God? It's crazy, right? That would be like me saying to you, hey, I know you went over there and you converted that Muslim into a Christian. Shame on you. No. That's exactly what we should do. We should go out and does not know Jesus. We should tell them about Jesus. And when they accept Jesus and they hear God's word and they get God's grace and mercy and his love and his forgiveness and they accept Jesus, we should be happy. But here's a reality. Really? You had to invite them? Now I got to go to church with that person? Man, I got to see them at work. I got to see them at school. I didn't want to see them on my Sunday. This is my time in church. It's not their time in church. And it, exactly, it is now. And so, so we see the Israelites probably would have got mad at him. And the biggest thing is, man, Jonah just hated the Ninevites. He was hating on them. He did not like them. Israel did not like them. They're our arch enemies. Lord, I am not going down there to tell them nothing. I just, just smite them. Get them gone. Make my life that much easier. But God had other plans. God had other ideas. And as much as Jonah wanted to be mad, wanted to be angry, you know, God still did what he was called to do. And I think before we get hard on Jonah, we need to look at our own lives. Because I think we do the same thing. We need to examine how we respond to what God calls us to do or, or even what we see God do. Because I think there's times we're just like Jonah. We're doing that same thing. We're, we're upset because of what God's doing. And, and we just 
we forget what God's Word says. In, in Proverbs 16, 9, it says, A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. In Psalm 37, 23, A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his ways. And, and even with all this, Jonah's still resentful about the whole thing. He's still upset. He's still resentful. He, he didn't want it to happen. And Jonah basically tells the Lord, see, I told you, I, I knew this would happen. And if I knew this would happen, why would I have to come all this way? Now you're wasting my time, God. You're wasting my time. I tried to run away. Run away. You still made me come back here. You got me spit out of a fish. And, and now you got me sitting here. Now Israel's going to be angry. These people are all upset. Lord, Why? Why did you even waste my time? If you knew you were going to do this, you could have used someone else. It's basically what he's saying. Does it sound familiar to anybody? God, I knew you were going to do this, so why did you waste my time? Because the reality is he wants you to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part of his will. He wants us to be a part of bringing people to know him. But we got to be open and obedient to it. And basically what we see here is Jonah is throwing a first-class pity party. He is throwing a first-class pity party. Jonah knew he didn't get his way, and now he, he's upset with God, and he almost wants to argue and fight with God. Well, just remember, our arms are way too short to fight with God, and, and, and he is the God. Of, he created everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like a, like a T-Rex trying to fight. You know, we got short arms. And the reality is no, no one's really happy when, you know, hey, we put this time in stuff and, and we're doing it. Hey, Lord, we're walking in your will and, and then all of a sudden we don't get what we think we deserve and someone else does and all of a sudden we get, man. We do that same thing, right? We throw a pity party. Woe's me. I can't believe God did this with them, not with me. And, and that's exactly what we see in Jonah. And then Jonah, his pity party goes so bad, God, I just wish you'd kill me. Kill me, God. Take me out. Take my life from me. And, you know, the reality is he's not the first one to do that. You know, Moses and, uh, Moses and Elijah both prayed that same thing. Lord, take my life. So upset with what's going on around them. Lord, just take my life. Just end my life, Lord. Just end it now. It's not worth it. I'm not going back. I'm done. I'm throwing a pity party. I'm going to take my toys and I'm going to go home. It's basically what you see going on. Just like little kids playing. That's it. I'm mad. I'm taking my stuff out of my sandbox and I'm going to my own, another sandbox. And that's what we see Jonah doing. <laughs> and I think it's pretty sad that here, being used by God to to bring people to the saving knowledge of him, and he's worried about himself. He's worried about his own insecurities, worried about his own selfish desires, instead of worrying about the people of Nineveh. Instead of worrying about what the others are, where they're going to spend eternity, he was so worried about himself. And you know, after Jonah confronted his anger, he, and God talks to him, he still doesn't change his mind. What's he do? He goes up on a mountain and sits on a mountain and pouts some more. 
I'm just going to sit here and wait and see what God does. And he's up there pouting. And, and, and as the sun comes and everything's going on, what did God do? God sends the plant to cover his head to give him shade during the day. And Jonah's happy about that. Well, guess what? That's God's mercy. That was God's grace providing something for him. And he's up there all happy now. Oh, man, I got this nice bush. Everything's going fine. All right. Next day, what happens? God says, hey, worm, go eat that bush. Go, go eat that leaf from above his head. And what does Jonah do? He gets mad again. I can't believe you did this to me, God. You sent me to this foreign country to preach an eight-word message. 120,000 people came to save the knowledge of you. Now I go up. You're doing all this stuff. I told you back when I was way over there, you were going to do it, but you still made me come all the way over here. Then I finally get some shade, and this worm comes and eats it, and now I'm hot, I'm sweaty, I'm hungry, and I'm mad. Sound familiar? Join the club, right? Sounds kind of like our life, right? Everything, you know, everything's going good, it falls apart. Oh, God, why me? And we want to blame someone except for looking at ourselves. And I think, you know, the, the whole idea here is that people, just like Jonah, get so upset and, and just get so mad at, at life in general that they just want to walk away. And you get people, even within the church, that have literally walked away from the church and walked away from God because they got upset about something. Because they got upset about something that made zero sense whatsoever. And, and they turn around and they basically not only quit on the church, but then they quit on God. But then they take what? They point their finger at, oh, it was his fault. When we walking in the will of God and we're doing what God calls us to do, sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be tough. Guess what? Not just sometimes, but a lot of times it ain't going to be what you wanted. Because his will and his ways are bigger than ours. But we would literally have people walk away from God and walk away from the church because they didn't get their way. They'll throw a pity party over something so stupid that makes zero sense whatsoever, and then they wonder why. And then, of course, you know, because society today is whose fault is it? Someone else's. It's always someone else's fault, not our own fault. So, hey, let's blame it on the only person we can blame it on. Let's blame it on God. It's God's fault that I'm where I'm at today. No, it's not. It's the decisions that you made when you went against the will of God to end up where you're at today. And even, you know, God's will for each one of us is not to live a bad life. But we got to be willing to put that sin aside. we got to be willing to put our own self aside to do what he calls us to do. Get rid of selfishness and actually come to him in humble obedience and do what his word says, not just when you come into church on a Sunday. It's about every day of the week doing what he calls us to do. And now even with everything that Jonah did, I think we still see tenderness from God. God still gives him grace. God still gives him that tender love of a, of a father to his son, and, and he extends grace to Jonah. 
even when his heart obviously wasn't right with God. He still extended him grace, and he, you know, he had the vine grow over his head. He extended all that to him, and Jonah still didn't understand it. But how many times has God extended that same grace to you when you didn't deserve it, and we totally miss it? None of us deserved, deserved Christ dying on the cross, but he did it for each one of us. And think about how many times God has blessed you even when you haven't been obedient to what he calls you to do. And he still shows up and he's still there because he has that grace. He has grace and mercy upon each one of us. Now, it doesn't mean times may not get rough. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be, you know, like I say, rainbows and unicorns and puppies. There's times it's going to be tough. But that's where you see where your faith is at. Do you really have faith in him or are you going to throw a pity party like Jonah and walk away from who God is? So Jonah gets all this stuff going on, is upset about the vine, he's upset because his worm, he gets even angrier, and basically you think about this, all he was doing was getting a tiny taste of what the Ninevites were going to get in hell. Getting a tiny taste of how the Ninevites would have to spend the rest of their life if they didn't accept God if they didn't start to worship God. And it kind of reminds us that, that Jonah cared more about that vine than he did about the souls of the people in Nineveh. And I think sometimes we do the same thing. We care more about stuff in our life. We care more about things that we can control than where other family members or friends are going to spend eternity. We're worried more about, do I have a roof over my house, than we're worried about our brother or sister or cousin or co-worker that doesn't know Jesus. They will spend eternity in hell, and we worry more about the roof over our head. We worry more about what vehicle we're going to drive. We worry more about something that makes zero sense whatsoever instead of salvation of somebody else, instead of worrying about someone else. And, and I got to tell you, every time I read through the book of Jonah, I get convicted, because I know I'm the same way. There's times I'm worried more about my own stif- stuff in my own life than somebody else. And, and as the pastor, I'm telling you that. There's times I worry about me, myself, and I more than somebody else, which is sad. But it's a reality because guess what? If I do it, I know everyone else here does it too, right? We worry about ourselves. We worry about what we can do. Hey, where's our next meal coming from? Where's this? What? Yeah, we worry about all this stuff and we don't care that the person sitting next to us or standing next to us inside, whether it be work, inside the marketplace, wherever it is, maybe spend eternity in hell and we could care less. It's exactly what Jonah did. Jonah could care less because he did not like these people. And he was willing to just leave and let them spend eternity in hell, be smited off this earth, so that he could be happy 
instead of allowing God to be happy. What's the last thing you got mad about? Think about that. What's the last thing you got mad about? And then answer this question. When you got mad, what difference would it make 10 years from now? Probably nothing, right? I would say 10 minutes from now, but 10 minutes were still kind of huffy puffy. You know, 10 minutes after the Hurricanes didn't take a knee on the ball and they fumbled it and Georgia Tech beat them last night, 10 minutes later, I was still mad. Okay, just so you know, I was still mad. 10 hours later, I'm not as mad as I was last night. But we get angry over some of the craziest things. Guess what? I wasn't coaching. It don't matter. I still got upset. I'm telling you. But, we, but that's the reality. We get upset about stupid things that make zero sense whatsoever, but we'll turn around we'll throw a pity party because we didn't get our way, our team didn't win, something didn't happen, I didn't win $1.4 billion in the lotto last night. Whatever it may be, we get upset at some of the stupidest things that make no difference in life. What we should get upset about is someone not knowing Jesus Christ. Someone who's going to spend eternity in hell, especially if it's somebody that we know. And if it's someone that we know that we have a grudge against, that's something stupid, it's time to put that grudge aside and go and do what God calls us to do and live out the will that God has. And that is us as Christ followers making disciples of all nations, telling people about our Jesus, doing what he calls us to do. Don't allow whatever you're feeling inside to rule it. Let God rule your life and do what he calls you to do. The only thing that really matters as we pass through this life is finding God's will for our lives and doing what he calls us to do. That's what matters in the world today. None of this other stuff matters but us doing what each one of us is called to do. People are going to hell and we're worried about vines or branches over our head and other stuff. We need to change our perspective just like we see God changing Jonah's perspective. And, and in the end, Jonah comes around. I think in the end, we need to come around. And we need to truly do what God calls us to do. So i got to ask you, in the reality, what do you care about? What do you honestly care about? Are you more worried about yourself or are you worried about other people in this world? And if you were more worried about yourself, you're just like Jonah. You got a little bit of Jonah inside of you. You're living that same life that Jonah lived, not wanting to do what God calls you to do because we should be more worried about someone else and about someone else's salvation than we should be about ourselves. Like I said at the beginning, Jonah wasn't interested in God's mercy for others, only in justice for the wickedness. And like I said, if we're honest, if every one of us is honest in our life, at times, we'd rather God exercise punishment than forgiveness. There are many times in my life, man, God, just punish him. Don't forgive him. Punish him, God. Punish him. Bring down fire and brimstone on him. Do something. And I know I'm not alone. 
we all get caught up in it. We all get caught up in, in being, man, God just bring down some lightning and thunder. We all are guilty of it. So I got to tell you, if, if you're guilty of that today, before you leave here today, take it to God. Take it to God and be obedient to the point of, you know what, God? Your will is better than mine. Your ways are better than mine. And, and if you've been fighting with God or throwing a pity party, and I know it happens. It happens inside churches all over the world. People inside pews throwing pity parties because they didn't get what they wanted. Because more worried about ourselves than worried about what God wants us to do. So I want to encourage you today, if, if you're that same way, before you leave here today, I want to make sure you humbly come to the front. See a prayer partner who will be up here at the end of service. And let them pray for you. Leave that here today. Whatever you're holding on to that you think is bigger than God's, it's becoming an idol in your life. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever hatred, whatever it may be, hey, I don't like the color of the carpet, I don't like this, I don't like that person because they're, they look different than me. I, whatever it may be, let it go. God's got a bigger plan. We saw it in the story of Jonah. 120,000 people in one city turned from their wicked ways, turned from their evilness. They let, it go. They let go of their hurts. They let go of their hang-ups, their habits, Whatever they had in their life, they let go of and followed God. To the point they put sackcloth on the animals, not just themselves. They knew how wrong they were. We need to wake up and see how wrong we are. And make that turn to do what God calls us to do. And as a Christ follower, we need to be obedient to what God calls us to do. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you that you, know, you still have a chance. Just like the Ninevites turned and accepted God, you can do the same by accepting Jesus. That grace and that mercy that was given to the Ninevites who were enemies of Israel... God still offers today. Jesus died on the cross to offer that to everybody. And you don't have to get it right. You don't have to start fasting and putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes. <clears throat> you don't have to do all that. Thank God. I don't want to be like wrapped up in itchy clothes. <clears throat> and not eating and drinking. We're all sinners. We all fall short. So you're in good company. God's Word says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God was raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So you confess and, and confess that Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. 
I want you to rule my life, Jesus. I don't just want you to come in my heart. I want you to rule my life. I want everything I do to be because of you. That's where it starts. That's where it's having Jesus as the Lord of your life. And then allow him to start working on you like God worked on Jonah. Start working on those, well, I, I know you want this, but I just need one more hit. <clears throat> I know you want this, but can I have another drink? I know you want this, but, but, but I still like this pornography I'm watching. Lord, I know you like this, but, but I'm still going to continue this affair. Lord, I, I forget the I, I, I. And if anything, say, Lord, I will do your will. Lord, I will do what you call me to do. Take those steps in your life. And as a believer in Jesus, if you're not doing that, after our final song, there's going to be prayer partners up here. Come up front, talk to one of them, have them pray with you and for you, and leave it here today. Don't take it out of this room. Leave it here and go live the life that you've been called to live, doing the will of God. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for all that you do in our lives, and we thank you for your word. <clears throat> and Lord, the minor prophets, it's not always cheery, Lord. But man, there's a message in there for us. Lord, as most of us, as we think about Jonah, we, we know about him trying to run away. We know about him being stuck in the, the mouth of a fish. We know about him being spit out. But Lord, the lesson for us is we're to do the same thing. We try and flee what you want us to do. We try and avoid other people. Lord, we need to care as much as you care. Lord, we're all created in your image. Lord, may we see others the way that you see them, not the way our earthly eyes see them. May we see beyond the outer surface and see the inner person just like you do. And Lord, may we be obedient to what you call us to do, not what we want to do and not what the world wants us to do. But Lord, may we be obedient to you and seek your will in our lives. And Lord, is anyone here who don't know you, Lord, I ask that today be that day they make that move. That after this final song, that they swim downstream while everyone else is leaving. And Lord, that they will accept you as their Lord today. And Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you, Lord. Lord, make all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if 
If you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.